a new Ford F-150 2020 XLT Super Crew, more than $15,000 off MSRP right now at Bill Curry Ford. Get to BillCurryFord.com to see that and so many amazing offers in the Built for the Holidays sales event. Make no payments on new vehicles until summer 2021. Bill Curry Ford is a proud presenter of the Scuttlebucks podcast. They're going to give you a Scuttlebucks discount. General Manager Sean Sullivan is eager to help you personally. His email is right there at BillCurryFord.com. Broadcasting from the ESPN Tallahassee Studios in Florida's capital city and in partnership with the JoeBucksFan.com podcasting network, this is the Scuttlebucks on 97.9 ESPN Radio. The Scuttlebucks with Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang is presented by Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's hometown Ford dealer for nearly 60 years and home of the nationwide lifetime warranty for new and pre-owned vehicles. BillCurryFord.com. Here's ESPN Tallahassee. Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. And away we go. Welcome into the Scuttlebox. Great to be with you. I'm Jeff Cameron. That's Tom Lang. Bucks coming off a win against Minnesota. We'll got a couple ways. Uh, I was there in attendance, watched that game up close and personal, enjoyed that. Bucks do a really good job. Organization does a really good job uh, with the way they organize uh, the viewing experience amidst COVID. Uh, but uh, I, I must say, I, I kind of I kicked around uh, the good and the bad in my head all throughout that game. And as we were leaving the building, and I'm still doing it today, Tom, I, there, there are things that I really, really can get excited about. So, for example... We had a constant lament over the last three weeks that Tampa Bay could not get home to the quarterback. It just couldn't get home, and it was exposing a defense on the back end, uh, the inability um, to influence uh, the quarterback in some way, get him off his spot, uh, especially post-absence Vita Vea, seemed uh, you know pretty significant, and that this was now a, a, a team that was going to get exposed in the passing game, you know, and. Uh, they got home on Sunday, and their third down defense was exceptional, and it really was the difference in the game because Minnesota moved the ball, did some things well. If you look at their offense between the 20s, it was really good. But uh, when it became crunch time, the Bucks were able to get home and, and get to Cousins and change the game. So if you look at the game through that prism, you say that's a development. You know, this is we're starting to see it now, and good for Shaq Barrett, who's really coming alive. And, you know, that was a, a needed boost from the defense that had been absent in recent weeks. And then offensively, I left the stadium going, Yeah, we're not any better. We're just we're just still uh you know, fits and starts and stops and we're really weird. We can look good for a drive and you think, well, there it is, and then it dissipates and it's gone for prolonged periods and you just and Tom is off, he's throwing high, he looks like a, a bottom of the top ten quarterback list kind of guy. You know, not a top five quarterback, but a an eighth or ninth or tenth place quarterback, if you will, in the rankings. That's kind of what he looks like for for stretches. Uh, his pocket awareness is still great. He climbs the pocket as well as anybody. Did hit the deep ball in this game when he had the opportunity on a couple of throws, including the big one to Scotty Miller. But it's just wildly inconsistent. And so 
you know, there's real frustration there. I, I did the buck. We're this far along in the season, and there's some good. There really is. There is some good, but there's some bad, and that all adds up to. I just don't know what they are, and I don't think they do either. They're above average. That's it. No more, no less. It's an above-average team, and the Vikings have given up a lot of quarterback hits and, and sacks this year. If you look at the top 10 teams, I won't even name the quarterbacks, but the top 10 teams that have yielded the most sacks on the quarterback, here they are. Philly, Seattle, circle the outlier. There's uh, Russell Wilson right there. But Philly, Seattle, Houston, Detroit, the Giants, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Minnesota, the Jets, Baltimore. What do they have in common? At best, they're at that wild-card 10-win level. Most of them aren't even in the playoffs at all. And what's the thing that we talked about before this game against the, the Vikings? It's that the Bucks struggle when they play good teams, and they can beat up on some bad teams. Now, in situations, they beat the Vikings this past weekend. If you look at the overall offensive performance and metrics, it's not bad for only possessing the ball for 20 minutes in this game. Yeah, it was crazy. It's, it's at one point I looked up and I thought, well, this cannot stand. We're going to need to get beat. They're going to be exhausted. Oh, credit the Vikings. That's the only way you can win that game is through ball control, but you've got to cash it in. And yeah, you can't yeah. take terrible sacks on third down. And, and you, you can't, can't miss, miss every field goal you kick. Ten points worth of kicks. Yeah. Ten points. And what's the difference in this game before? Twelve, yeah. I mean, right, but we have that late kick that ices the game so you know it got to nine and that's where it lived for a long period of time changes the course of everything if you're a minnesota fan looking at it from that perspective but for, as a bucks fan what do you learn you, you learn nothing in the way of this team doesn't play well against most good teams that it plays they have obvious flaws that are taken advantage of when they play good teams and then when they play mediocre teams yeah, yeah they're, they're better than a puncher's chance they're pr- pretty good they take care of business against those groups i think the other thing you do learn though is that if they're right for any particular game, and you never really know right now because sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't, but if they're right, they're good enough to beat anybody because they've got a lot of weapons. They're awfully hard to match up against. I think the number one thing that I liked about this game, and actually, Tom, you brought up a point here that I think bears repeating and we should celebrate it because it's been very, very rare over the last decade plus. The kicking game matters. Minnesota's kicker, Dan Bailey, looking for a job. I mean, obviously, that's a desperate situation they find themselves in. He may have just cost them a spot in the playoffs. For years, we've lamented that the Bucks lost. Jameis is on the register for a lot of losses that had we made a timely kick would have put the game away. There, there are a number of games over the last, whether it was Aguayo or Gay or whomever you want to look at, we missed kicks like it was our job, like Minnesota did on Sunday. Suck up made the aforementioned yep. securing kick. Yep, yep. You still have to make that. And Down you, the damn middle. I also, by the way, when he took the field, turned to my son and said he's going to make this. I don't remember the last time I felt that good about a kick that mattered that way, and that one did. You yeah, felt because like, of the field position you give and then yeah. the chance for two quick possessions. And you and all also that. felt yeah, like yeah. they knew when we knew if this goes through, this game is over. And it, it, you really, the percentage chance was great at that point once it went between the uprights. The right. Bucks were going to win. Those are important kicks, and he stepped out there like it was no thing, and he had already missed an extra point, and it didn't bother him in the slightest. He stepped through, kicked through. that. I mean, obviously, everything about that speaks to confidence. I trust Suckup to make kicks. So our special team's good. You know, opinion's good. We've got a good special teams unit. We can be dynamic offensively. Can be. We're not consistently, but we can be. And then I think defensively, what I do want to say for Bowles is he figured out that Minnesota, okay, look, Minnesota wants to run outside zone to Dalvin Cook all day long, just like Florida State ran with Dalvin Cook here. 
I mean, outside zone is a big part of what they do, right? And it's because Dalvin sets those runs up so well, and he runs tough, and he gets the hidden yards, all of those things, right? That's what Minnesota's offensive line does well. They don't pass block exceptionally well, and they have some lumberers, if you will, up front. These are guys that are meant to run block, not really pass block. Bowles shifted Pierre Paul inside at times. They created all kinds of loops. They did a lot of things to expose the lack of athleticism on Minnesota's offensive line. Bowles gets credit for that because that's scheme. That's choosing to take advantage of mismatches. Yeah, I think the other thing that he gets credit for is that Justin Jefferson had four catches on eight targets and he didn't burn you deep. And, you know, Thielen did some things and, and he was actually close to another circus catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah, the but one-handed thing. That's every week. But they decided to shut down Justin Jefferson and they succeeded in doing so. Now that's interesting and that's a development. That's where, again, you know, in, in the conversation that I have with my friends down at Tampa, we have a constant chain going, especially during games. It gets, uh, it gets colorful at times. But what we resolved at the end is we're all in agreement. This is an above-average team. It's a wild-card-level team with upside. With upside. There is a chance that they could be more. And that's what these last few weeks are about. And we're not ignoring a fa- uh, the fact, obviously, that the kicking game is all under the COVID list right now. No, like, no, we know that. But we're talking about long-term, as it projects towards playing in a wild-card round in the playoffs, what do you do well, what do you not do well? The kicking game should be a strength for the Bucks in the playoffs. And that's good. The fact that the Bucks are in the playoffs is cool. But here again, I'm, I'm here to tell you, that just because they make the playoffs for the first time since I was in college, which is crazy, I'm not celebrating. Because when you make the move for Brady, it's not to get there. It's to do damage when you get there. And that's what this team is trying to do. And and they're behind the curve on that. They still have time to get where they need to go, but they're behind the curve as to where they should be considering the moves they made in the offseason. Ultimately, what we'll say about them is this work in progress, even at this late date of the season, continues in a way that leaves us a little uncertain about what they are or are not. We can find those weaknesses. They're glaring. We can find those strengths. They're also glaring. We can look at matchups that favor the Bucks. For example, the one seed currently in the NFC are the Packers, who got blown the hell out by Tampa Bay. So you, you, when you start talking about the playoffs, you say to yourself, all right, well, who do they match up against? Where's the game played? What's the weather like? All of these things, the Bucks, because the NFC's not dominant. you got the Saints, who I think are better than the Packers. But the point is, you got the Saints, who who beaten the Bucks twice. But other than that, you don't fear the Rams. I understand Goff had a great day, threw the ball 150 times. I, I'll, I'll take a matchup against the Rams. That feels like a 50-50 game to me. Uh, Washington, if they win their division uh, – Washington's defense would be a problem. They're a real problem. Washington's defense is a real problem for teams that have drop-back passers. We have a drop-back passer. They get to the quarterback, and they stop the run, too, so you become one-dimensional very quickly. But I still like the Bucks' defense against the Washington offense, which is putrid. So I'd still take the Bucks there. Seahawks, we mentioned Russell gives them a chance to win any game they play. Their defense gives them a chance to lose any game that they play. Uh, the Cardinals are the seventh seed now, I think. Well, I mean, they're struggling. Is right, what they beat right. the Giants. You see what I'm saying? I mean, oh, just yeah. the, the NFC is kind of hot garbage uh, in a weird way. I think the Bucks could be the second, third best team in the NFC. Well, Brady needs to stop missing wide open receivers that, first of that all. That part's true. <laughs> And that's ridiculous. Yeah, that part's true. I mean, you're the goat for crying out loud. Yeah, and you've got it. seven seconds. Hit somebody in the chest, will you? 
That's another development that I do like, though, baby. That's consistent. The Bucks' pass blocking is. is as good as there is in the league. It is. Minnesota, this, the scout on them, though, was they need to bring five and six to generate pressure because they can't on their own. They're, they're powerless to, to generate pressure. But this and is this, every week, though, when you watch us. Other than the Saints, really, he's, he's, he's pretty much un. Touched. Yeah, I, but the, they did a good job on Donald um, yeah, against the Rams. Really but job. the edge pressure was there. I, I don't know, man. I just listen. They could get there. Brady's got to be better, and I'm waiting for this moment. I think we're all waiting for this moment. Whether it's a conversation they have to have behind the scenes, where it's like, okay, screw this. This doesn't work yet. Maybe it will next year, and we've got a lot of good film out there. Let's focus on A, B, C, and D. And these are the things we do well in the principles of the offense, and then move forward with it, exploit it, and rep it till you can't get it wrong. And at that point, you've got yourself. It's not the, the big playbook that you want, but whoever's ego needs to check. It's needs a building to be block. And I, again, I'll tell you this much. It is a distinct possibility that these remaining games allow them to get to that place so that the playoffs start and the Bucks are a dangerous, dangerous team. I think they are now. They're not an elite team. I'm with you on that. I'm not suggesting that. Listen, if we're, if we're going to look at the whole of the league, the Bucks, if they were to get to the Super Bowl, aren't beating Kansas City. So forget about that. They would not beat Kansas City. I know what that final score was. We watched the game. Uh, no. And for that matter, if that's the bar, well, nobody's beating Kansas City. It's going to be a fluke if Kansas City loses. They're, they look like the best team in football again. They do, but I, listen. You can run on Kansas City and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. That's what we all talked about last an interesting year. interesting game plan that we had that week. Um, the, the thing is, I'll, I'll tell you that they're above average, but I'll tell you that also that they could beat anybody. Like I, I would, They could beat anybody. It's I'm not like they've doing... got no chance. They could beat anybody at yeah. any time. And it's not because it's the NFL. It's because when they get hot, they put up 28 points in like 10 minutes, and it's absurd how quickly they can do it. And I think that translates even against a team like Kansas City. But, you know, that's not the consistent version of the Bucks that we see. We've got about well, four or five examples of that. It's not the consistent version of the Bucks we see when, when two things are happening. One, Brady's missing wide-open receivers on third down that keep drives alive. That's a real problem. I mean, Gronk is wide open on that opening drive. you got to hit that. Godwin is wide open. That's unforgivable. On- I mean, th- th- these are plays that sustain drives and likely lead to points because you're near midfield on two of those. There's no reason for that nonsense. That's a that's a basic NFL throw, and this is the greatest quarterback to ever play. Exactly. I don't know why things are sailing on him. Uh, I would guess uh, there is a an, an issue with form. Uh, I'm not a quarterback coach. Uh, Brady obviously can go back and look at the film. It tells me there's thinking going on. Well, there's no thinking going on when you scramble to buy time and you're you you've moved within the pocket and stepped up and you see Godwin that's now a broken play in essence that's now a broken play that wasn't the succinct route he sees him he looks at him and he sails it the Ronald Jones play in the flats there's no thinking there there's nobody within 10 yards of him he throws it over his head by 10 feet i, I don't he does that three or four times a game but we saw this with the previous quarterback which is i think you're thinking about hitting him instead of just seeing the hands and hitting the hands. You know, it's, it's just weird. I, I I never thought I'd. We see tell that. our kids that, and right. I don't have them. But you know, like I tell my nieces and nephews, just look at the mitt and hit the mitt. Yeah. Don't think about hitting the mitt. Just throw it. Yeah. Throw it. And hit the. I'm mitt. always telling my youngest son because he likes to think about form. I'm like, stop thinking about throw and throw. That's yeah. No, it I'm seems with- real natural when Tom Brady throws to Scotty F and Miller, doesn't it? And it always has this season. That was one of the head scratchers. It was also one of the stories coming out of camp was the relationship that they had built together, and then that got bastardized with the addition of Antonio Brown, who, to his credit, again, 
the, the bar is awfully low for Antonio Brown when it comes to behavior, but my man has just shut the hell up and gone out there and practiced every day. He's in great shape. He does make plays. I think I mean, you're right. I think he really needs the money because I, he hasn't punched a bouncer. We haven't heard about him shouting down a cab driver. He hasn't kicked his bellman in the chest. I mean, that's that's something. I mean, you know, I guess for him that's being a model citizen. It's a shocking development, but uh, but that's what the Bucks said. You know, hey, look, if you come here, this is what has to happen. I'll give him credit. I mean, I, again – you don't get credit for being a decent human being, but the bar's so low for him that it's a little surprising. It's surprising. More of the Scuttlebucks. Lee Kemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website. He's going to join us next. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. There's the music. Let's bring in the man, Lee DeKemper, JoeBucksFan.com, the website. We're talking all things Tampa Bay Buccaneer football. Hello, Lee. How are you, brother? Jeff, what are you saying, man? I'm saying Bucks get a win. It wasn't always pretty. Kind of frustrating. They're a weird team to try to get a handle on. Uh, on the one hand, there are plenty of positives. There are things you can point to that excite you about the possibilities in the postseason. On the other hand, uh, our legendary quarterback continues to miss wide open receivers by 15 yards inexplicably. So, you know, there's the good and the bad. I know that Arians got a little little sensitive when uh, when he thought that people were being critical of Tom Brady. Uh, you never really get a feel for uh, for Arians when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Tom plays a good game, and then he'll rip him, and then he plays a, an average game, and then he defends him. So I never really know what to expect from there. But what we do see is some some inconsistencies from Tom, uh, and, and you just don't expect that from the GOAT, and I think that's what leads to the frustration. Yeah, I, I don't know where Arians was coming from yesterday when he went on the offensive in defending Brady. I don't know if anybody's ripping Brady for being a horrible quarterback. I no. think what they're what they're what they're nicking him for is, you know, he's inconsistent a little bit and his slow starts. And I and I'm a big I I guess the Bucks are getting a little bit upset with me because I keep harping about their terrible first quarter start. The last six games they've had a grand total of one touchdown. Well you know that's not gonna cut it in the playoffs unless your defense is playing lights out. That's that's not gonna cut it. So I, I think it's fair to assume that this is what the Bucks are, you know, six weeks in a row that they've done this, and we're in the middle of December. They've got three games left in the regular season, so I don't really expect the Bucks to change, flip, you know, flip the switch and change that. I don't think that's going to happen. And the best excuse I've heard about Brady—I don't know if "excuse" is the right word—you uh, know, for why he's missing some uh, just really, really wide open can of corn throws early in the game. Is that it just takes them longer to warm up. Now, obviously, you would say, well, uh, you know, start warming up earlier. <laughs> you can't always do that on the road, and unfortunately, the Bucks were playing on the road in the playoffs. Hopefully, they get there. I can't see them not at the present time. But, uh, you know, once he gets past the first quarter, he's, he's not bad. And 
you know, I got, I have, I'm as guilty as the next person. I have to keep reminding myself we're sort of expecting because we're fans. We're sort of expecting 33 year old Tom Brady to be out there when he's actually 43. And I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that his skills may have eroded a little bit at 43 than what they have been. That's fair. But uh, it is a concern. He's missed those wide-open throws. But you know what? When he makes a beautiful throw like he did to Scotty Miller to get the offense going, uh, it's easy to forget those bad throws. Yeah, I'm certainly not uh, asserting that Tom Brady has played poorly. I'm only noting that I don't ever recall him missing this many wide-open throws when he was in New England, not even last year with that sorry-ass offense that they had. So it's a precipitous drop-off is what that is if, in fact, it is eroding skills because you can't blow opportunities to sustain drives with a defense that's fairly porous uh, and that has a hard time playing consistent. When you have a chance to score points and sustain drives and keep your defense off the field, you're going to have to do that against good teams, against really good teams. Um, and so when you brought Tom Brady in, sure, you were taking a chance that that drop-off wouldn't hit and hit hard because, after all, you decided to forsake the future by going with a known commodity in order to do what? win a Super Bowl. This whole experiment's about winning a Super Bowl. So I think it's fair to look at it through that lens to say, where are we at in relation to being a team that could win the Super Bowl? That's why you brought Tom Brady in. And if you're missing Gronk by 10 yards and he's wide open and Godwin by 10 yards and he's wide open and you know Jones when he's wide open, that, that, that will come back to bite you against better teams in the playoffs. And nobody's going to want to hear, well, he's just old and he's, it's tough for him to get warmed up. Well, two things. Um, you're right, by the way. Uh, Marcus Spears, ESPN, I, I think, put it perfectly. He, he said basically what you said, only much more passionately, yesterday. He's like, you didn't bring Brady in to wait an entire year for him to get comfortable and to make a Super Bowl run in 2021. You did it now. He's 43. And I love what Spears said. He challenged the Bucks. If I'm wrong, someone from the Bucks called me up and say, you did this to prepare for 2021, I'll confess on the air that I was wrong. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. He's absolutely right. Uh, that's that, that's number one. Number number two is with with Brady. Uh, he obviously, you know, he did it for this year, and you know, 44. We don't even know if he's going to be on the team next year. We don't even know if he's going to retire. So uh, the point, you know, this is overlooked, I think, a little bit. The Bucks were coming off a bye. Now, the first thing I thought of watching that game. And they couldn't, they didn't even get a first down in the first quarter. I think they had, what, five snaps in the first quarter? I'm thinking to myself, this defense is going to be cashed before halftime. You know, it's middle of December. They can't get off the field. These guys are going to be shot. Then I'm like, well, it's a good thing they're coming off a bye and they had a week of rest. What would have happened if they were coming off yet, you know, like most teams, they were in the middle of the grind, the December grind. And how how shot the defense may have been in the fourth quarter had they not had that week off. And oh, by the way, it, they were fortunate that the Vikings had a kicker that went full blown Roberto Aguayo on them. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing to watch as somebody who has watched in horror as Matt Gay and Roberto Aguayo cost the Buccaneers 
football game after football game after football game. Eventually, that got pegged on Jameis, but there were a lot of games where if you had just connected on a kick late in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, you would have put the game out of reach, but the Bucks could never make those kicks. And now watching Absolutely. Minnesota go through that whore and now believing in Ryan Suckup <laughs> to go out and make those kicks, you feel very, very good about things in that regard. I, I'm with you. It was beautiful. By the way, let me ask you this. The horror. I yeah. like that. The oh, horror. It was the horror, yeah. I have to ask you the... Uh, uh, the scuttle, if you will, since it's scuttle bucks on Leonard Fournette's benching. What was that about? He was a healthy scratch. That's weird. Now I haven't had anybody tip me off. Well, I had someone tell me something that it's not really it's bad, but it's not ugly. Like in you know, nothing to do with any crime or anything like that, or right. any uh, nefarious attitude problem, or any any ugly nothing ugly, but it's very demeaning. What I had heard through the grapevine about the. Someone I know that is in contact with Doug Marone. Now, I have to qualify that. It's Doug Marone. Maybe had Marone had an axe to grind. But I had heard through the grapevine, and this is coming from Marone, that, uh, uh, you know, I'll tell you off the recording sometime. Uh, you know, it's like third-hand speculation. Well, it was coming from Marone. It's not speculation. But it's third-hand information. I'm dubious about that, and I'm also dubious. Yeah, if his ex-coach had something to grind. It's not very complimentary. Let's put it that way. It's not damning, but it's not very complimentary. But Arians, Arians tried to defend him in a way uh, earlier this week. And everything he said, Arians that is, everything he said was like, whoa. You know, like, oh, he knows he's a week-to-week player. What first-round pick in his third year, I think it's his third year, what for, former first-round pick in his third year doesn't know from week to week if he's going to be active or not, unless there's an injury involved. That's baloney to me. And uh, then uh, Arian said, well, he was in the practice yesterday. He was? <laughs> but he's not in the practice previously? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, Arian was trying to defend him, and everything Arian said raised a red flag with me. So I don't know if the guy's just bummed out that he's not getting enough snaps. I don't know if he's already fed up with Arians, fed up with Tampa Bay fed up with a lack of snap. I, I, but it just screamed what Arians is saying. Screamed with a guy that can't wait for the season to be over with. And that, that doesn't, that, that's not a good look, especially on a team that's making a playoff run and he's trying to you know, bank money for next year to get a contract. Maybe that's why he's frustrated. I don't know that he is frustrated, but everything Arians said seemed to indicate there was something bubbling below the surface that's not kosher. Well, would he be available if Rojo can't go this week? He's supposed to be the number one back. Okay. Which is, you know, here he is supposed to be the number one back since Rojo allegedly can't go this week. We don't know that yet. Uh, and he was inactive yesterday. He was a healthy scratch last week. So that's just, just weird all around. That's just weird all around. But when Arian said, oh, he knows he's week to week, or, he does? Really? <laughs> and he's into practice? And I just uh, this is something going on there. I don't know what it is. And like I said, I'll tell you off the recording what I heard. I cannot confirm that. It's not derogatory, but it's not very it's not very comforting to hear. Uh which may explain why he's not getting snapped. So I guess one other thing I want to ask you about, uh it does seem to me and there are a lot of elements of this of this football team that I do like, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea. The inconsistencies of Brady aside, um, you know, obviously they do flash the ability to score points in bunches. 
they had a really good plan um, in the red zone and on third down against Minnesota last week. Uh, the third down defense was very good. They got to the quarterback. We've been lamenting that they couldn't get to the quarterback lately. Uh, I thought that Bowles schemed it up well, and you know Shaq Barrett continues to come on. So there are a lot of things that I like. The aforementioned special teams unit that we we trust uh, when they're active. Uh, you know, every week you feel pretty good about what they're going to do. Uh, one of the things that a lot of times it's hard to put your finger on, but I do think matters to some degree, is this idea that this is a really, really healthy locker room. And I know you wrote about it on JoeBucksFan.com because of uh, comments that were made regarding this is the best locker room I've been in, and I really mean it, was the quote that you used there. Uh, I'm kind of curious, I I guess, your thoughts on this team, that locker room, and where their head is at. Is this really the big kumbaya fest that it appears to be every time a player talks about being in that locker room? Well, the quote specifically was DeMar Dodson saying that about Denver. Ah. Mm, DeMar Dodson was was in the Bucs locker room as uh, recently as December. That's right. That's right. So, hmm, that was kind of interesting. There are some, with the NFL protocols with the COVID, we have not had access to any locker room, whether it's at one buck place, whether it's at stadium, whether it's on the road, we just don't have that. So I can't gauge the locker room. I can say in the past, I've seen some elements, recent past, that gave me pause. That, uh, this doesn't seem right. I do know for a fact that Deshaun Jackson and Swaggy Baker well, we do that, right. in that locker room just blew it up. Right. Just absolutely blew it up. They were bad eggs. Well, and I think, uh, and I think, but, Lee, real quick, that's what I was alluding to more than anything else. You're right. I'm sorry. I should have attributed that to Dotson being in Denver. Is that with those guys gone, though, the thought this year has been, and it's been repeatedly stated in various forms, whether it be Arians or other players, that, hey, man, this is a, this is a different place. It's a different vibe at One Buck Place now. Mm-hmm. Well, you, I know last year it was certainly a different vibe. You know, I know some people are trying to pin uh, Dotson's quotes on James because you know, just look at the look at the map. Who's not in the locker room right now? Of course, Dawson. You know, was saying that about the Broncos locker room. Uh, I don't think Jameis was a problem in the locker room. I do think I do think that some of the veteran players, especially on defense, were you know they didn't they, they got they tired of Jameis's shtick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was shtick. I thought it was natural, but you know his rah rah stuff. Sure, you know. You know, he goes out there and throws picks, but he's still rah-rah. I think that war on them, I think that war on them. You see the body language of the defense after Jameis would throw a pick and how they would react to that. I don't think JPP is here if Jameis is still here. I don't think Sue is here if Jameis is still here. So I think those two guys, you know, they didn't outwardly come out against Jameis. They were like, you know, we're not going anywhere with Jameis. Jameis is back. I'm going to go elsewhere. I think that was their attitude. Not that they were anti jameis they were, they were tired of it. Uh, there was still an element in the locker room that up until this past year, uh, it's always disturbed me. I can go into detail. I'll tell you off the recording. I don't want to bury a guy, and I'm not saying specifically that's a problem, but it, to me, visually, looked to be an issue, and that's been there for a few years. So maybe that's what Dawson was referring to. Mm. I don't know. But I do know Swaggy Baker and uh, Deshaun Jackson absolutely poisoned that locker room. And I know there were guys in the past that the Bucks actually got rid of, specifically because they thought they had bad attitudes. Well, I guess at the end of the day, 
if they win football games, none of this, this will all be a moot point. Uh, it feels, is the greatest perfume. That's right. It feels a bit like I got I delved into the soap opera aspect of the NFL there. I apologize to, to our listeners to some degree, but it is always intriguing to try to get a feel uh, on the interpersonal sure. relationships. And, and, and I thought at the very least, this looks like a healthier group. Uh, Lee, always a pleasure, brother. You be well. Hey, you guys too. And I, I don't know if we're going to record next week. If we do, great. If we don't, you guys have a Merry Christmas. Well, same to you, but I think we will, brother. We'll do one more. Let's do All that. Right, yeah, absolutely. All right, have a good one. I always enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Take care. Uh, by the way, all of this brought to you by our friends at Bill Curry Ford. A family-owned and operated dealership truly matters when you're buying a truck or a car, and that's what you get at Bill Curry Ford, Tampa's first family of Ford on Dale Mabry Highway. Much more than just amazing prices and a nationwide lifetime warranty on new and used vehicles, General Manager Sean Sullivan is ready to work with the Scuttlebucks listeners personally in any way that he can. That includes service and their body shop. So start the holiday season right with a visit to BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. You can get Sean Sullivan's email there and ask him anything you want about buying or leasing a Ford truck or SUV and more. He will write you back. BillCurryFord.com. More of the Scuttlebucks in a moment. Shopping for a used F-150, a car, or an SUV? Find Tampa's biggest and best used inventory at Bill Curry Ford, one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Shop now at BillCurryFord.com and see the nationwide lifetime warranty on pre-owned vehicles. Now, here's Jeff Cameron and Tom Lang. Let's reiterate real quick, because we certainly thank Sean Sullivan and the fine folks at Bill Curry Ford for helping the Scuttlebucks exist. Sean Sullivan will help you personally seven days a week. Give him a call, email him, or visit Sean inside the beautiful Bill Curry Ford showroom one mile north of Raymond James Stadium. Ask for your Scuttlebucks Joe Bucks fan discount. Sean's going to do everything he can to help you out while you're at Bill Curry Ford. That's uh, the family service that you've come to expect from Bill Curry Ford. They've been honored many times by Ford headquarters because of that care for customer attitude. The Tampa's first family of Ford, without question, for the last 60 years. Get shopping today, by the way. You want to look online? Do that. If you uh, don't have an opportunity to swing by the uh, showroom there, which is gorgeous, go to BillCurryFord.com. That's BillCurryFord.com. Um, yeah, so... You know, now I don't know really uh, what can be gleaned as we move forward here about the the Bucks playoff chances and what they'll do in the playoffs because the matchups obviously are favorable for the Buccaneers over these next three games. And Atlanta's loss, I might add, uh, to the Chargers, I hope cements a lukewarm effort on their part. Uh, they had really gained momentum. They were playing hard. Uh, under Raheem Morris, I suspect they'll continue to play hard. I, they have bought into him, and, and it's clear they are trying. They have the unpredictability of the Matt Ryan's, you know, week to week. He's up, he's down. You don't really know. Part of that is his receiving core has been injury riddled. So you know, Julio is he's in, then he's out. He's in, then he's out. He's a game time decision. He leaves in the first quarter of games, and he stays, makes big plays like Julio always does. Calvin Ridley's been battling a lot with that ankle. He's really good when he plays. One of the best receivers in football. 
but he's one tackle away from being out as well. And, you know, I, I just don't know what we're going to get. They're uneven. Atlanta's uneven. Uh, and I would think now that the season is at this late date, they've got no chance to do anything. Uh, they're four and nine. You would like to believe you're going to get a listless effort, but I don't know. If they put it all together and continue to play hard, they're a, they're, they're a threat offensively. Oh, yeah, they're game. I mean, they gave New Orleans a game a couple of weeks ago. Killed the Raiders. And, right, exactly. So, you know, Atlanta is a team to be respected. It's just a matter for me of the Bucks offense looking like they've got a plan. And, and it's going to be tough this week if Ronald Jones obviously mm. cannot go. Um, but it to me, it's about how efficient do you look? And over these next three weeks, are there storylines that develop? Are there trends that develop between the way the offense looks? Uh, for both games against the Falcons and obviously against the Lions. But in general, the goal should be just rack up the wins to get the best seed possible. Sure. I, I don't care how they happen. Um, you know, I don't care if you drop 40 or 50 in those games. I just want to see if the offense looks like it's running a little bit smoother. And I think you can glean that from these last few games. Even though they're against bad opponents, I think you can glean what formations do the Buccaneers choose. What are the personnel groupings? What percentage of the time are they in the gun with three or four wide versus he's under, under center with a couple of tight ends? You know, what's the run-pass balance? I, I, I think you can learn some things in these last couple of weeks about that. Well, and does Brady get sharper? Uh, do we start to see him look more comfortable and consistently hitting throws that he's made in his sleep throughout his career? Do we start to see that? I, I, you know, yes, you, you are going to be monitoring. There's something to be said for winning football games and and I know that sounds ridiculous that's a obvious statement but even against outmatched opponents who you're favored to beat if you get on a winning streak that can affect confidence and to me if you are able to win these games one-sidedly yes we'll walk away from those games and say well you should beat Atlanta you should beat Detroit you should be Atlanta again you, you ought to win those games but at the same time that means because you just beat Minnesota, you'll enter the playoffs on a four-game win streak. Uh, you will feel very good about yourself at that point. Um, I do know this. I really like the fact, no matter their inconsistencies, Tom, when the players talk to the press or when you read anything about their their cohesiveness, what you find out is those guys seem to love each other and play for each other, and that locker room is very healthy. It hasn't been for years. That locker room is very healthy. These are all components of things that, when put together, give you the best opportunity to win. Are they a complete team? No. Do they have holes? Yes. We've diagnosed those, talked about those. But the other stuff is all there. The talent is there. The belief uh, amongst each other and with each other, for each other, it's all there. The camaraderie, the, the the healthy mentality, it's all there. So those, these are good things. And if you put together a win streak entering the playoffs, you'd feel pretty good about your chances. One of the storylines I'm interested in seeing down the stretch is the secondary. And what does the personnel look like when everybody's healthy? It's not lost on me that Jamel Dean didn't play last week and they did a better job against the pass than they have previously. I'm not saying that Sean Murphy Bunting had a good game. There were a couple of real low moments for 23. But there are some other bodies out there that played well. Obviously, Winfield had a fantastic game. Uh, and that's good to see because uh, there were questions about a rookie wall, and I, I know that yep. Joe Bucks fan has written about that extensively. Um, so that's good to see. But I just wonder if the personnel groupings look the same as they did, oh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago as the Bucks entered the postseason. So that is one position group that I think is still up for grabs, the cornerback rotation. Where do you place guys? And listen, not for anything else, uh, for any other reason, 
uh, playing the Falcons twice, especially if Julio's available, say, right, in Week right. 17 that, or that's Ridley, helpful. That's helpful. you get a chance to yeah. assess that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, they, they challenge you. I mean, they do have one of the best receiving cores in all of football. If either if those two guys are healthy simultaneously, they're a matchup nightmare for people. And so I actually want them to be. I'd like to see how the Bucks fare against a game Atlanta team with all of their weapons because those are the kinds of caliber of, uh, of lineups you're going to face at some point in the playoffs. Call, uh, call Durkle, and, and I know that's not necessarily his offense, but call up Durkle and ask him if he can run some, some extra crossers in these next couple of games. What do you yeah. say, Dirk? we got to put this on film. Uh, by the way, so Jones leads the Buccaneers, as you well know, with 900 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, he had surgery as well. We didn't really talk about that in that first segment. We didn't mention it too much. We were concerned with the COVID, but uh, on his pinky finger there. Um, now, this means that, you know, between the reserve COVID list for special teams and then where you're at with Ronald Jones, uh, you know, you're going to see Keyshawn Vaughn again. Well, and that's at the time of this recording Thursday morning. Probably should date that just in case there's more COVID list or contact. You know, that stuff all changes day to day. Contact tracing and, and all the things that they do with the, the wristbands that the players have. So it could be developed by the time you hear this Thursday afternoon. But, you know, at this time, yeah, those are the four key players. Your entire kicking unit and then your starting running back. <laughs> yeah. Well, the aforementioned kicking unit that we have a lot of confidence that's in. That's right. Well, eh, that's all right. That's all right. As long as they're playing in the playoffs, we're going to be all right. Go for two. Yeah. <laughs> have some fun with it. Practice your two-point plays. Uh, do, you, do you get any sense as we say goodbye today that uh, whatever the relationship is or is not between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians is healthy? Do you feel like that's still something? We've talked about it every week for four weeks. It's the first time we haven't. I don't know that it's toxic. I, I just I think it's going to be what it is, um, and I hate that phrase. It is what it is, yeah. but I, I think that's it's not going to magically get better down the stretch. I don't think it's going to get worse either. I think it's functional. I think the relationship is functional. Clearly, but I just don't know that the offense is functional. So that's that's the problem. I don't like when I see the faraway look in his eyes. Oh, uh, Bruce Brady. Oh, Brady. Yeah. Brady will look to the sideline occasionally, and there's a faraway look in his eyes. Even still, I saw it in person the other day. And I listen, I'm not trying to play the role of amateur psychologist here. It's just a look of, I'm not so sure about this. And it really is unsettling. His fire and his red acidness yes. comes from the fact that he has complete command of everything that he saw. Right? There's doubt. He's doubting himself. Remember the first couple of weeks of the season? He's throwing a hissy fit, and Fox couldn't wait. They're like, finally, after all these years, yeah. we get to show a Brady hissy fit. Well, you haven't seen that the last couple of months. Oh, and when they go through stretches where they'll go three and out, there is, and I, I, I there's mean, a I, resignation in the yeah, way he leaves I the field. That's correct. I suppose I appreciate uh, the composure. Uh, there is this, this sort of this thought of, all right. I don't. You signed up for that guy to be the, the dude who screams people down. But you can't yell for the sake of yelling. That composure that I'm referencing as being a positive is somebody who's looking inward a little bit, too. It tells me that everybody else isn't screwing up. He's wondering whether or not he's screwing up because when they do screw up, think back to Jensen, think back to his anger with guys when they screwed mm -hmm. up, and yep. he knew it was their fault. They weren't in the right place at the right time or they made a bonehead decision. This is a guy who's wondering... Was that on me? I missed that throw. Was he? He was where he was supposed to be. I I just missed that. That's what that looks like. Now, I don't like that. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not. But you can't yell at people when it's your fault. Well, as we get to the year in review, that's the stunning development: is that Brady mm -hmm. would allow himself to be put in a position where he doesn't know the offense cold. And listen, I know that they didn't have a full camp. We're in December. 
We're well, in the final three weeks of the season. I find it fascinating that every former quarterback, Pro Bowl-level quarterback that does any sort of analysis for ESPN, Fox, NFL Network, any of them, they've all had their opportunities. Kurt Warner has, Troy Aikman has, Romo. Tony Romo has, Peyton Manning has. They've all had their opportunities to do breakdowns of the Bucks' offense. And every one of them alludes to, in some way, the uncertainty of Tom Brady, that, that, that he's confused. Or that they are themselves as analysts confused. Well, they're, they're, they're confused by the decision that the Bucks have made to try to implement this offense on the fly with Tom Brady instead of just allowing Tom Brady to run the offense he's always known and won a gazillion games with. They're confused with the decision. But in terms of what they're witnessing on the field, they're just sensing that Tom Brady clearly doesn't really know this offense. They all bring it up. They're like, well, there's a throw there to be made. Here's what, you know, and you can sense that they're probably frustrated for him. It's amazing. One of the smartest quarterbacks to ever live. And, uh, you know, it's not like he's thrown 30 interceptions. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't. But it's amazing how even this offense can make that guy, with all of his experience, confused. Especially in year one, like it always has for it's every like other Carson quarterback. Carson Palmer said, that. wait till you see the meteoric rise in year two. Well, yeah. I guess that's what we'll be banking on for Brady in year two in the offense. Or the playoffs. Or Maybe that's playoffs. year two. Maybe that's, that's it. That's the second round of development, Tom. It's the playoffs. All right, good work out of you. Thanks to all of you for listening. Happy holidays out there, everybody. We appreciate you very, very much. And uh, go Bucks. We'll be back with you again next week. Take care.